in the middle of um, reading Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Make sure I pronounce that correctly, because I butchered the pronunciation last week a little bit. Um, well, you know, I, you know, I don't think Habakkuk is offended by it, so I don't. No, I don't. I, <laughs> I don't think he really is. So, but there's something that I, I did want to point out in some other reading that I'm doing too that I thought would be a good parallel to this discussion as well too. So let's go ahead and get started. And we will go ahead and summarize what we covered last week uh, because we are in a new study uh, starting last week for the summer um, having to do with content featured from a Bible study uh, put together by Jennifer Rothschild, uh, content called Missing Pieces. But I'm modifying it for the use of this class for this purpose so that we can all get together and have honest conversations about where we are in our walk with Jesus Christ. I think that's a, a great place to be, and I think that collectively we can have that conversation. And certainly, based upon where you believe you are personally, you can have a conversation with the Lord about all of that. I think that's very, very important for you to do, and for you to do this evaluation on an ongoing basis. Um, we should always, I know we've said this before, or we, I, I know I have, you should always be having an ongoing evaluation of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the simple reason for that is that you are in the flesh and need to make sure that you are doing everything you can do to overcome the flesh and not let things keep you from having a healthy, vibrant relationship with the Lord. And frankly... When we look at the world we live in today, which is really no different from the world we lived in 50 years ago or the world we lived in 50 years before that, there's just different things that happen um, that cause us to question sometimes the things that happen in our lives. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your presence. We thank you for how you reveal things to us through the power of the Spirit. We thank you for showing us areas where we need to truly just sacrifice everything that we know for you, everything that we understand for your understanding. Lord, we want your wisdom. We want your knowledge. We want the ability to be able to see truth in our lives and in the lives of others. Help us to be better in this area. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, let's summarize what we covered the first part of uh, the class last week and uh, get back to where we were in Habakkuk as well, too, for reading purposes. Um, I noticed, You notice that on James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, on the top of the handout is the passage that talks about how it's important for us to understand that we are going to experience trials. It says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I don't think anybody really considers it a great joy that you experience trials and tribulations. Amen? But 
Yet scripture says joy, not in the context of joy as in happiness or playful or wonderful, but joy as in contentment and peace of heart. That's what you need to look at for joy. That's not the joy. That word joy is abused a lot when it comes to scripture. It needs to reflect a contentment more than anything else. And we are content even though we experience various trials. Everyone here in this room has experienced trials recently of all different types. Amen? Trials are a part of our life. There's no way of escaping that. We're going to look at in this study, focusing on God's loving presence in the midst of adversity. And that's something that we have to sometimes pull back a curtain to see God's loving presence. The curtain... That sometimes, pretend that you have a curtain wrapped completely around you when something bad is happening. That means there's no light getting in, there's only darkness, there's only this, this feeling like you're alone, there's no one around you. And sometimes that's how things really seem when you're going through a very difficult time. But sometimes you have to know that Well, there are all times you need to know that God is in the midst of where you are right at that point. And you have to just do what? Pull back that curtain. Allow his light to come in. Allow him to give you and show you contentment for where you are in that situation. You're looking at me like you're completely puzzled. Am I muffled? Oh, the sound is muffled. Too much bass? Too much bass? Well, let's, let's see if I can, we can do something about that bass. Um, there is someone in the booth right now that is working on the sound right now to see if I'm not. It sounds like I'm on and other speakers on the other side, too, which is probably what's going on. But I don't know if it needs to be that much sound. Well, we'll do what we can. I could take the mic off, too, if I can't get it to work right. Well, he's, work, he's working on it now. Okay, that sounds a little bit better. Does that sound a little bit better? No? It's just your hearing? Okay, well, we'll do the best we can here. I know some other people did complain that it was kind of reverberating a little bit, like I, was, like I have a reverb amplifier in my, my voice. I'll try to speak more deliberately and slowly, and maybe that'll help, too. So we're going to try to get through this without hopefully people understanding what I'm saying. But we're going to see how God's loving presence will be available to us in the midst of adversity. We asked some questions where we said that there are times when in life when things just don't make sense. And there were some very serious, intense questions that you probably will not often ask other people, but you may be asking them to yourself with the Lord. Amen? The questions that we talked about last week. For example, if God is so good, then why do we suffer? If God is so good, why do we suffer? Why are children treated unjustly or even abused? Why doesn't God heal when he is capable? Now, let me stop there for a moment. We know that God is capable of healing. Amen? Amen. Because we've seen evidence of God healing some people. But you have to understand that some people 
have not experienced complete healing because God allowed it to happen the way it did. So how do you explain that? Well, you can't explain anything. It's all part of God's, what God is allowing in that person's life and what God allows in not just that person's life, but even the life of other people around them. But we know that he can heal, but yet someone might be angry because God didn't heal. Um, you see injustice in the world, God is this fair. A spouse leaves, God, do you care? You know, it's a very uncomfortable situation when marriages break up. Because we know that marriages, when they break up, cause all kinds of undue stress and strain, not just for the couple, but even for the family, if there's a family involved, or even extended family. You get a pink slip instead of a paycheck, God, are you aware? You wonder if you will ever stop feeling lonely because you long for a baby, a spouse, a friend. God, are you there? You ask God for years to help you lose weight, be more patient, overcome your temper. God, do you hear my prayer? Now, I'm going to add another thing here. Does everyone believe that God hears our prayers? Amen. So what we're actually seeing here are questions that are being raised that will challenge that way of thinking for someone who's suffering. It doesn't change the fact that God, in fact, does hear all of our prayers. But if you're going through difficulty, if you're going through misery, and this is where we need to be sensitive to people who are going through difficulty, that they know these things, but yet they don't understand why they're happening the way they are to them. We as a people, the last thing you need to be doing is saying, well, God does hear all of our prayers. Well, you're telling them something, A, that they already know but you're not necessarily being sympathetic to how they're feeling. This is a discipleship 101 moment. When we're discipling fellow believers, we need to understand that when people are suffering, we don't just unload them with biblical truths every five seconds. Yes. Yes. And um, more than anything than complete healing, God offers the truth that He never leaves you short of disease. That's right. And that takes faith that He gives you the truth to go through if you don't fight. That's right. Hard not to fight. That's right. You just got to do it. Because I've been there. Sure. The peace is something that he will give to you even if he may not answer the prayer the way you want to see it answered. That's ultimately is how we want to see a prayer answered. We want to see someone be completely healed. We want to see restoration. We want to see all those things that should take place. But we have to remember not everyone receives complete healing not everyone receives restoration as we would see it. We don't necessarily know what God is doing in the life of a person. You know, when my uncle got cancer, 
And he was, what, approaching his 40s and 50s? Um, he, first of all, he lived a life uh, that was, you know, not admirable, okay? You know, he had a beautiful, he has, had a beautiful wife, beautiful family. He wound up uh, going outside the marriage, messing around, just kind of living uh, a raucous life. But what really slowed him down and got him to really take a relationship with the Lord seriously was him getting sick. Now, you hate to think that way, but you can't do the stuff that you were doing running around, messing around on folks, and you're here, you're racked up with cancer. So he did come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the midst of all of that, that was genuine. See, you have to understand something. People say stuff all through their life saying, yeah, I, I go to church, I follow the Lord. You know what? They're not following the Lord if they're still messing around. Not really. Sometimes it takes God doing something like that for that person, that individual, to get that person's attention. And dare I say that that has happened to other people in the same way. And we don't understand it, and we're not going to understand it, but yet that's what happens but what ultimately was the prize? The prize was is that he has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now he is with him in eternity. But he died at an early age. So we need to see that, yes, the end result was he died at an early age, but the ultimate glory was that the Lord reached him. And he made a decision for him. And it's almost like sometimes some of us are so stubborn, we've got to get backed into a corner. Amen? We've got to get backed into a corner where we don't have anything left. It's just like the ultimate alcoholic. When you have someone go to Alcoholics Anonymous, when they bottom out, they have nowhere else to go. That's when they decide they need to have a change in their life. Otherwise, they would do what? Drink themselves to death. And I mean literally drink themselves to death. So we need to see that the outcome is not always what we would see, but we know that God, because of his sovereignty and because he knows ultimately what is good. And when we say good, the goodness means ultimately a relationship with him. That's what's good. Okay. Nothing in your life seems to make sense. You feel like you could have your own book of the Bible just like Job. In other words, that's almost like a pity party where you feel like everything is happening to you. God, do you err? Well, we know that God doesn't make any mistakes. We know that. But hopefully we learn something from this study about how we approach people who are struggling and suffering. Then there's the passage here. I'm not going to reread that, the area where the author of the, of the text talked about all the questions that she asked because she became blind as a teenager. And her plan was to be an artist. Her plan was to be a cartoonist. And because she got retinitis pigmentosa at a very early age, around age 15, she couldn't do any of those things. So she had to have a life change in her plan. What she thought she was going to do, her heart's desire was taken away from her. That's tough. If you really think about that, that's tough. 
Now, we were in Habakkuk. Let's go back to Habakkuk for those of us who are just kind of staring at their handouts right now. Let's go back to Habakkuk. And I believe we were getting into chapter 2. That's correct. And there are some amazing parallels to this to Jeremiah, which I'll get back to in a moment. Um, Because Jeremiah and Habakkuk were basically referring to the same thing in their communication with the Lord. But let's look at verse 2. In chapter 2, the Lord answered me, write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets so that one may easily read it. Now understand that the the vision is coming as a response to Habakkuk asking questions about why is all this stuff going on? Why is there suffering? Why are these people so evil? What is going on right now? So he's getting an answer to this. Lord answered me, write down this vision. Clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it since it will certainly come and not be late. Look, his ego is inflated. He is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by his faith. Moreover, wine betrays. An arrogant man is never at rest. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol. And like death, he is never satisfied. He gathers all the nations to himself. He collects all the peoples for himself. Now let me uh, make a quick point here that came to mind as I was reviewing this. One of the things we have to understand is that, yes, this is referring to this time where Judah was being disobedient. And the Chaldeans are going to come and invade and pretty much rip through everything that they have. And the reason for that is that Judah was disobedient to God. Even though they knew what the law was, follow where I'm going with this, even though they knew what was right, they chose to do wrong. Including human sacrifices, kids being burned, that type of thing. Things that God would never permit, never allow. Now understand something. We're talking about a God who is amazingly consistent. And when we look at life today in the United States and even all over the world, where we have debauchery and behaviors that are contrary to God, don't think for a moment that those people will not escape judgment like these people of Judah. Because he's making a promise that he is going to judge unrighteousness. And if it weren't for what it says in Jeremiah 31 about a new covenant, we'd be swept up in that too. Let's go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 1. Let's start there. Now, for those of you who read Jeremiah, Jeremiah is not the happiest book you could ever read. Amen? It's a book that talks about over and over again how 
God is going to judge that nation, that people, because of their evil and what they have done. So we're talking about all this suffering that's taking place, which is what this premise of this class is. You're observing all of this activity. I couldn't turn on the news. I haven't watched the news in years. Other than the local news, and even then, some of that times you just, eh, because it still features stuff that happens in your own city. But if you were to watch the news every day, it would affect your brain. Amen? It would affect your whole outlook on life. Yes. Well, you're, that's good. You should be doing that. But I just know that it gets to a point where I guess I don't need to be reminded of it every day, what's going on. I know it's out there. I know it's happening. I know that there's a lot of things that are taking place. But look what it says here. Um, the Lord will turn mourning to joy. This is something we need to also see, too, that if it weren't for the Lord... Yes, he says there's going to be all kinds of disaster inflicted upon those who are evil. But thank goodness, if you're following him, he's going to restore joy in your life. Because this evil that we experience, it's going to, it has an effect on you. It's damaging. It's painful. Anyone who's been through abuse at any point in their life, they really never get over that. You've got to understand that. They don't get over it. They get through it, but they don't get over it. So there has to be, in the midst of all of this, a restoration. At that time, the, this is the Lord's declaration, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. Now, he's saying this about people in the same country he's going to be destroying. This is what the Lord says. The people who survived the sword found favor in the wilderness when Israel went to find rest. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love to you. Again, I will build you so that you will be rebuilt, virgin Israel. You will take up your tambourines again and go out in joyful dancing. You will plant vineyards again on the mountains of Samaria. The planters will plant and will enjoy the fruit. For there will be a day when watchmen will call out in the hill country of Ephraim, Come, let's go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. For this is what the Lord says, Sing with joy for Jacob, shout for the foremost of the, of the nations, proclaim, praise, and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Watch, I am going to bring them from the northern land. I will gather them from remote regions of the earth. The blind and the lame will be with them. Along with those who are pregnant and those about to give birth, they will return here as a great assembly. They will come weeping. Notice this. They will come weeping, but I will bring them back with consolation. I will lead them to wadis filled with water by a smooth way where they will not stumble, for I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn. 
Nations, hear the word of the Lord and tell it among the far-off coasts and islands. Say, the one who scattered Israel will gather him. He will watch over him as a shepherd guards his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the power of one stronger than he. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will be radiant with joy because of the Lord's goodness Because of the grain, the new wine, the fresh oil, and because of the young of the flocks and herds. Notice that there's not just restoration with the people, but there's a restoration with the land. There's a restoration where they're going to. Remember, there's supposed to be this destruction. And this is one of those prophecies that actually goes twofold. It's not just for that time. It's also for the end time. Because as you know, the nation of Israel is scattered all throughout the world, but there has been a slow and steady migration of people coming back to the homeland. That's taking place right now. Verse 14, I will refresh the priest with an abundance and my people will be satisfied with my goodness. This is the Lord's declaration. Now, look what it says. I'm going to bypass verse 15. Look what it says in verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for the reward for your work will come. This is the Lord's declaration, and your children will return from the enemy's land. Now, if you go further down to verse 31, this is why we as a people need to rejoice. Verse 31 summarizes exactly why we celebrate Jesus Christ. If you're heading in your Bible, does anybody have a heading over verse 31? What does it say? The new covenant. If it weren't for the new covenant, guess what? We'd be living under what? Old Testament. We'd be living under the old law. We'd be living under those standards. But we have a new covenant that we can rejoice about. Verse 31 Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, notice how it says in the future. The day is coming in the future because it's before that time of Christ. But that new covenant is coming. Jesus Christ is the new covenant that we look to. This one would not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration. Notice how I keep saying the Lord's declaration. Anytime you ever see repetition like this in scripture, it's an absolute fact that it's going to happen. Because God's word, he doesn't contradict himself. He does exactly what he says he'll do. When he makes a declaration, he stands by it. And said, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I'm in verse 33. The Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. How does he do that? He does it with the Holy Spirit. He writes the words on our hearts because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one that got us saved in the first place, brought us to the Lord, 
made us realize we needed the Lord and Savior in our lives. And because of that, he immediately empowers us with the presence of the Spirit in our lives. That's different from what the old people had in the Old Testament. They didn't have that. You know why he does this? Because he knows we need this. Because without this, guess what? We're like the evil folks in Judah doing whatever we want to do, acting any way we want to, because we're going to be disobedient. Because we're in the flesh. He knows we need this new covenant that seals us and keeps us from experiencing eternal damnation because of our evil ways. He knows we need this. Verse 34, no longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me. We all know him because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. There won't be any second guessing. And the neat thing about that is that we all know him, but we know him in our own way because of our own personalities, our own experiences with him. Remember how I said God speaks to some of us and some of us he just kind of murmurs things and some of us hear something differently? But it doesn't change the fact that he doesn't communicate with us. He does. He's doing so through the power of the Holy Spirit for us individually. This is what the Lord says, the one who gives the sun for light by day, the fixed order of the moon and stars by light by night, for light by night, who stirs up the sea and makes its waves roar, the Lord of armies is his name. I I missed the passage, didn't I? Did I read verse 34? No, I didn't. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. That's pretty important. I should have. I kind of jump past that. But that's important to know that he is not going to remember our sin. What had to happen on the Old Testament days? We had to sacrifice. We had to do this. We had to make observances. We had to have these uh, feasts. We had to have these recognitions of how we needed sacrifices because of our sin. The scapegoat, all that stuff. We don't have to do that anymore. It's pretty important. Now we recognize this as being important in the midst of all this suffering that we experience. This difficulty that we experience. It's important that we have a Savior. Because of the very nature of that, it's all about where our eternity is spent. It's not necessarily about what we're going through on earth here. It's tough difficult. I think about my mom and, you know, her, she can still think. She may not remember who she sees. Although when Lynn walked in the other day when I went over there, she smiled right away. It's like she recognized her face or something. Probably didn't know her name. But she's thinking. I'm just glad to know that she actually did know the Lord before her mind went the way it did. Because I know that she's getting the best possible quality of life she can get right now. But they have to look after her because she wanders. She just kind of moves around. It's important for us to recognize that we only have, in some cases, so much time 
And we need to be prayerful for those people who don't know the Lord. Because we don't know how much time they have. So just keep that in mind, too, as you're discipling others as well, too. Be prayerful for their salvation. Okay. Now, let's go back to Habakkuk real quick. Let's go down to verse 13 in chapter 2. Is it not from the Lord of armies that the peoples labor only to fuel the fire and countries exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the water covers the sea. Woe to him who gives his neighbors drink pouring out your wrath and even making them drunk in order to look at their nakedness. You will also, you will be filled with disgrace instead of glory. You also drink and expose your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter disgrace will cover your glory. For your violence against Lebanon will overwhelm you. The destruction of animals will terrify you because of your human bloodshed and violence against land, cities, and all who live in them. What use is a carved idol after his craftsman carves it? It is only a cast image, a teacher of lies. For the one who crafts its shape trusts in it and makes idols that cannot speak. That's been the problem that Judah has had. They make all these idols. They make all these carved images. Keep in mind that we do it all the time here too. We may not be worshiping the Lord, but we may be worshiping our car. We may be worshiping our house. We may be worshiping our money. We may be worshiping anything but the Lord. Woe to him who says to wood, wake up, or to mute stone, come alive. Can it teach? Look, it may be plated with gold and silver, yet there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. Now go to chapter 3. After... Habakkuk hears the judgment that's going to come on Judah and the utter desolation that's going to take place because the Lord is going to cover everything with his righteousness. And when he says the cover like the sea, the waters of the sea, that's coverage. That's going to take care of and cleanse everything. So look what he says here. A prayer of the prophet Habakkuk according to Shigineoth. And I'll try that again another time. Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. Now, we should be praying for that now. He will judge unrighteousness. We're reading about it here about Judah, but he is going to do the same thing here on earth now. In your wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. His brilliance is like light, rays are flashing from his hand. This is where his power is hidden. Look at this prayer. Pay attention to what he's saying. Plague goes before him and pestilence follows in his steps. He stands and shakes the earth. He looks and startles the nations. 
The age-old mountains break apart. The ancient hills sink down. His pathways are ancient. I see the tents of Kushan in distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian tremble. He is looking at the vision of what's going to happen to his land. Are you angry at the rivers, Lord? Is your wrath against the rivers? Or is your rage against the sea when you ride on your horses, your victorious chariot? You took the sheath from your bow. The arrows are ready to be used with an oath. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains see you and shudder. A downpour of water sweeps by. The deep roars with its voice and lifts its waves high. Now, as we're reading this, understand something. Habakkuk is a prophet. And he has insight that some of us don't. And the Lord is making this a very graphic visual for him to interpret for us to understand what's going to happen. And I don't know that it's always that great to be a prophet. Because you see things that other folks don't see. Because that's what Jeremiah went through. Jeremiah went through the same thing. Jeremiah got locked up. Jeremiah got put down in a cistern. Jeremiah was being persecuted left and right because he kept coming and telling them, if you don't change your ways, you're going to get wiped out in so many words. And people got tired of hearing that. What do you think happens to us? Why do you think we're persecuted half the time? They don't want to hear about there's only one way. They don't want to hear about it. They want to live the way they want to live. And they would much rather say, you know what? I don't really care. Even though we are founded as a Christian nation, they don't want Christians here. The people who oppose Christianity. What's the difference? It's no difference. It's the same thing. Let's go back to verse 11. Sun and moon stand in their lofty residence at the flash of your flying arrows, at the brightness of your shining spear. You march across the earth with with indignation. You trample down the nations in wrath. You come out to save your people, to save your anointed. That's important. Don't miss that. You come out to save your people, to save your anointed. You crush the leader of the house of the wicked and strip him to foot to neck. You pierce his head with his own spears. His warriors storm out to scatter us. Gloating as if ready to secretly devour the weak. You tread the sea with your horses, stirring up the vast water. I heard and trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. In other words, they haven't come yet, but they are coming. The Lord has declared it. He knows what he's going to be seeing. He knows what he's going to be experiencing. But look at verse 17 through 19. You've got to look at how, even though disaster is coming, Habakkuk has a response that might surprise you. Verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls. Well, that pretty much covers everything as far as a food source, doesn't it? Look what it says in verse 18. Yet, I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice 
in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights for the choir director on stringed instruments. So that's actually like a song. So even when there is utter devastation that is forthcoming for this land of Judah, Habakkuk finds a way to offer a praise. How can that be? How can that be? Well, you know how we say, if it weren't for your health, if, if weren't for, I have my health, I've got everything else, I don't need anything else because I'm healthy, I'm alive. I'm, that's kind of where he is. That's where he is. Because there's nothing else around you, but you're still alive. Remember how you say he was going to take care of those who were righteous, those who were following him. It didn't mean they wouldn't be suffering, because they will be suffering. They may be witnessing people who they really care about and love be utterly swept away, destroyed. That's pretty, pretty devastating. My wife and I have had a conversation about how sometimes we might be surprised about who we see in heaven and who we don't see. And maybe that might cause some weeping. And the Lord has to do what? Restore us. There will be no more crying. Wipe away. He'll wipe away those tears. If he's saying he's wiping away those tears, guess what? There's going to be crying. Because you're going to be upset. You're not going to necessarily like what you see. And it, this is the same thing. This is really the same thing. He's rejoicing. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be upset because there's no fruit on the vines. There's no food. There's no, there's no flocks, no herds. Yes. Yes, the remnant. Yep. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yep. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. That's the premise of this whole. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You will be happy. You just have to understand that. In the midst of our experiencing happiness, what are we what are we dealing with right now today? Well, you have, but you nobody wants to deal with it. No, listen, this is not saying. Well, I guess I'm going to have to deal with it. No, that's not the point. You are going to deal with unhappiness 
and scuffling and struggling and difficulty because of your very own nature and the world you live in. This is what we have. That's not going to change. Ultimately, our happiness is in what? Our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our joy is in contentment with our relationship with Christ. Remember those who don't know the Lord. What is their... That's the bell? That's a cowbell. The time is running. Okay. It is running. Go ahead. We, we're, we're, all, we're out of time, but go ahead. Yes. Yep. Actually, that's a great point. I've, that's a long time ago I remember that book. Yeah. You don't have to be. Right. That's right. That's right. And, and that goes back to remembering it's not all about you. There, it's about all of us and what we're going through. All right, we have to stop here. I apologize. Time just kind of kept going there, so let's, we'll pick up next week. <laughs> okay. Lord, we just thank you for this time you've given us to come before you and just have a discussion about the life that we're living and how you do, Lord, promise that we will be a, rem- a remnant a remnant for those people who said they believe you and trusted you, but they don't act that way. Lord, you know our hearts. You know who we are. You know that we are the ones who are devoted to you. And Lord, we want to develop a closer relationship with you. We thank you for how your promises are in place, that you will no longer remember our sin. And we are very thankful for that. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.